You're listening to audio from Risen Life Fellowship. If you'd like to learn more about our church or donate to this ministry, please visit risenlifefellowship.com. Gosh, it's good to be here. It's just, it's so good to be here and to be able to open a Bible with you this morning and just worship through the through fellowship together and through prayer and through the reading of his word and the study of his word. Is it not, like, is it, can we not say that God is good for just allowing us to do that this morning? Um, as you can tell, I'm not Josh, and so <laughs> we thought we would give him another week off, and he'll be, yeah, I know, right? Um, we're we're going to give him a week off, and he'll be back next week in Philippians to continue that study, but we just thought... It would be a good time um, for him to take a break and for us to look a little bit more at um, the season that we're going through, the Christmas season, going into New Year's, because this is a very, very special time um, for several reasons. One is obviously this is the season that we celebrate the birth of Christ, and that's something that we really need to um, focus on and really study and, and understand as we're going through the season. And then, uh, secondly, this is also a season of new beginnings. Like, this is the time when we get to start fresh. We get to start a new year fresh. God hits the reset button, and we start a whole new year where we get to serve him. And so, um, so yeah, that's what we're going to look at this morning is Luke chapter 2, because we went through the Magi last week, and this week we're going to look at another group, um, the Shepherds. And so the the title, I guess, of this message is Making Everything New, um, because this is the, the last sermon for this year, 2018. Um, so stand with me, if you will, and we're going to read from Luke, um, I'm sorry, chapter 1. We're going to start in chapter 1, verse 26, if I can find it. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent out from God to a city of Galilee called named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and he came to her and said greetings O favorable one the Lord is with you but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be and the angel said to her do not be afraid for I, for you have found favor with God and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born, shall be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Go ahead and have a seat. And and as you have a seat, we're going to skip down to chapter 2 and read 
the first little section in chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn. And I know that if you've been in church at all, or you have somebody in your family that's been in church at all, or you've, you know, celebrated Christmas at all, you've probably heard this. This passage is probably not new to any of you this morning. This is something that um, that we hear of often, at least once a year. Can we agree on that? But often, if you're like me, you overlook the significance of this passage. You overlook what's happening here. And you're looking at me like I'm crazy, but I'm really not because, because we can look at this and we miss so much if we're not careful. And so I want us to dive a little bit deeper in this passage today and get the significance of what God is doing in the lives of the people in the story and, and the gift that he's giving us today. And so that's our first point today is God's gift to us. And um, to really understand this, we have, to, we have to understand, like, why God came here. And to really understand the depth of the gift and the beauty of the gift that God has given us, we have to understand what he gave up in the meantime, in the process of giving us this gift. And so, to understand this, we have to understand what he came from. So turn with me in your Bibles back to Isaiah chapter 6. Verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe! Is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And so when you read that, and then you read that God sent his son into the world, his only son into the world, it brings a new significance that this holy God would send his only son into the world 
to live a perfect life for you and me. This is the God who there's thousands upon thousands of angels right now singing in the throne room, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the whole building is filling with smoke and it's shaking at the foundations and it's just, it's just awesome. We can't even imagine it, guys. It's just so beautiful of a picture of who God is, that he is holy, that he is different from us. That the, that the angels, the, the higher beings, the higher celestial beings would stand in his presence and all they can do is cover their face and say, how great is this God? How great is our God? And yet he cares enough about you and me to send his son to this earth. I love how John chapter 3 says this. And it says, and I know you all have heard this one. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son. I have to tell you this, I'm not married, I don't have kids, but if I did, and I had to give up my son, y'all would be out of luck. I'm sorry. But that's the depth that God loves us with. that he sent his only perfect son to live a perfect life for the people who don't deserve it. Because we don't deserve it, guys. That he would look on you and me knowing that we would never be good enough, knowing that we are broken and that we are sinful, knowing that we lust and we lie and we anger and we kill in our hearts. Knowing that most of us wouldn't even care. And yet he still sends his son to bleed and die for us. He still sends his son to seek and save that which is lost. So if you're like me, I tend to do this. I tend to forget the cross when I'm looking at the manger. I tend to forget that God knew all along what was going to happen. And he didn't just know when he sent Jesus to the earth. He knew during that four to five hundred year period that that blank page between Matthew and Malachi represents. He knew it then. He knew when Daniel was in Babylon. He knew when David was on the throne in Jerusalem and he knew when Moses and the Israelites were walking the desert. He knew when he told Noah to build the ark. He knew when he called Abraham out of Ur and he even knew in the garden when we sinned against him the first time. He knew what was going on. He had a plan, guys. This was not random. This wasn't plan D for him. He knew that the first time that we disobeyed him ate the fruit in the garden, he had a plan of salvation for us. 
That's the depth of love that our God has for us. That he would send his only son so that we would have the opportunity to repent and have a relationship with him where we get to call him Father. This is not just a gift. This is the gift. Thousands of years in the making. This was God knowing fully what would happen in 30 years' time. That his son would bleed for us. And that he would overpay for our ransom and our adoption with his blood. That's the significance of Jesus being born. So let's look at the reaction to this gift from some of the people who, who got to experience it firsthand. So look with me back in Luke chapter 2. And my hands are cold and my thumbs are like numb today, so it may take me a second. But Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. And when the angel went away from them into the heavens, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the angel or and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. So just picture this with me for a minute. These guys are poor, these guys are on the fringe of society, they're labeled as thieves and they're outsiders, and they're in their fields outside of Bethlehem, keeping watch over the flocks at night. Um, so if predators and things won't come and eat their flocks and all of a sudden this messenger of the Lord just appears right there and if you're like me he's like oh that's pretty cool I would love to see that and it's like no you wouldn't no you would not okay <laughs> like anytime you can read every account in the Bible of somebody of an angel or a messenger from the Lord appearing to somebody and the only reaction they have is just like hit the deck okay because that's how awesome these guys are. And, and <laughs> so, but the, they have the same reaction as anybody 
who has never seen an angel, they're terrified. These guys are scared to death. And it's, and it's not hard to imagine. Why? Because we just read Isaiah chapter 6. And the angel says, the first thing that he says is like, fear not. Okay? <laughs> I just love that. Because it's like, don't be afraid. I'm here to, like, with a message. Okay? And I just love that, that the guys that we're terrified of are the guys who are singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord in the throne room of God right now. That they have to cover their face with their wings so they won't die from looking on how glorious our God is. And then one of them just appears in the countryside outside of Bethlehem to bring this good news. But he goes, don't fear. And then he goes on to tell them that there is good news. And, the good, and not just good news. Not just good news for this group of people or that group of people. But good news for everybody. It's good news for all people. And the reason for this is today Christ is born over the hill in Bethlehem. The Christ. The coming Messiah. The, the guy that the whole nation of Israel has been waiting on for hundreds of years. Ever since they went into captivity, that guy was born today just over the hill. That's some good news, right? I love the next line, um, verse verse 12, where it says, And this will be a sign for you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swallowing clothes and lying in a manger. And, And the reason that this is so amusing to me is he doesn't even tell them to go. He just assumes that they're just going to do, like, they're just going to go. Like, they're just going to go see what happens because, like, if you this guy appears to you and he starts talking to you and it's like, hey, there's good news, you're going to be like, oh, where? And, like, he just assumes. He doesn't even have to tell them to go. He's like, this is what you're going to see when you go. And, and like, that's just, that's just so amusing to me. And then just picture it with me if you can right there. In the sky, the whole sky is filled with the heavenly host, saying glory to God in the highest. And that that phrase, heavenly host, is the same phrase that we see in Isaiah chapter 6. So they all show up and start singing glory to God in the highest just over the hillside in in Bethlehem. Just imagine the whole sky lit up and, and just imagine the sound that you would hear. How wonderful that sound is. It's like glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. And just as quickly as it began, it ends. And I, lo- I love how it says, and they, they, like they're like, let's go see what happened. And then it says, and they made their way with haste. And it's like, you can just imagine these guys running over the hillside. They, like, take off, and they are, like, booking it to Bethlehem to see what's going on. And so they run into town, and they find Mary and Joseph and Jesus laying there in the manger. And this is the point that I don't want us to miss. This is the whole point right here is their response to what happens here. Is when they leave the young family in the stable with Jesus lying in the manger, they don't do it quietly. 
they do it rejoicing. It says they return rejoicing. They're singing and they're shouting and they're telling everybody that they run into and anybody that will listen what happened because they are so changed by what has happened to them. They have experienced God in this place. These guys are literate. They probably couldn't read. They were on the out, like, they're poor. Shepherds are not, like, I can tell you, shepherds are not rich people, okay? <laughs> and so, it, like, these guys are on the fringe of society. They're labeled as thieves. They're labeled as liars. And they're outside because that's the only safe place for them. And they band together because that's the only safe place for them. And they've probably heard the history of the nation of Israel. They probably know that there's, you know, some people believe that there's a Messiah coming, but they're probably thinking, even if he does come, it's not here. It's not going to be to us. It's not for us. It's for them. It's for those good people over there. It's for those Pharisees who run the temple and the Levites and the rulers. It's not going to be for us. It's not going to be today. And then it was. And they were the first ones to hear about it. That just shows that God cares enough about everyone that he wants us to come to him. He cares enough about these guys, these outcasts, that he would, those guys would be the first people that he sends an angel to. That's how important he, he views these guys. And they're so changed by this that they just can't shut up. They can't be quiet because they know the truth now. And all they can do is praise and glorify God and, and just witness to every single person around them that will listen. Every opportunity that they got as they're returning to their fields. Which leads us to our part in the story. See, our, our response the story isn't over, guys. The story didn't end in Bethlehem. The story didn't even end at the cross. See, if you're a Christian, you believe that this actually happened, that this is history. This is not just some story that we drag off of a shelf at Christmas time or the family gathering. We read it, and it's cute, and we're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, we believe that this actually happened. We believe that you know, 2,000 years ago, give or take a few years, that the angels actually did appear to these, this group of shepherds in the Bethlehem countryside. You believe that if you're a Christian this morning. You believe that God sent his son as a baby to earth. You believe that they went and they sought the baby right then and they returned rejoicing. You believe that our Savior, that's what we call him, came to earth, lived a perfect life, and then he was killed for crimes that he didn't commit. If you're a Christian, you not only believe this, but you also believe that three days later, he actually raised from the dead. And this is not some spiritual resurrection, guys. You would believe that he literally walked out of the grave. You believe that he appeared to hundreds of people 
before he ascended into heaven. Because we have the text, guys. This is a historical text. This is not just some story that was made up. You believe that the Holy Spirit is actually living inside of you right now, if you're a Christian. See, that, that, that just gets me right there, because that's, that's not something that most people in the Bible even have. That was a new thing after the New Testament. You can read about it in Antioch. Like, most people didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. That's why the temple and the tabernacle before that were so important. But now you believe that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and so you are the temple. You are the temple of the living God. That's what we believe as Christians. And because of that, we believe that because he's living within us, he's working in us, and that it's no longer us, but that Christ lives in us. Christ working through us. And this brings us to what our response, our proper response to this situation should be because of the things that we believe. And, and I'm going to try to be brief about this because I believe that our response has three points that are very important. Um, and the first part is, is repentance. If you actually believe this, it's time to repent, guys. If all of this is true and God sent his son to live and die for us, it's time to realize why. It's time to realize that we are sinful. We didn't deserve it. I don't care how good you think you are, you didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. That we're, we, we have to believe that we're guilty. That apart from Jesus, there is no other way. Because there's no other way, guys. There's no other way to salvation. There's no other way to the Father. He gave us one way. And his name's Jesus. And if you don't know him this morning, it's time to get acquainted. And if you do know him and you've been distant from him, it's time to come home. What better time than this? Like, new year, hello, new beginning. You get to start a whole new walk with Jesus here in a couple days and, and like, be great from here, okay? I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying that it's going to be, like, simple, because it's not, it's hard. But what better time to come home to a father who loves you? The second part is the same as the shepherds. is It's rejoicing and praise and worship. And if we truly believe this, the only logical thing that we can do is worship him. And it's not just singing, guys. I get so tired of the conversation where it's like, I didn't like worship this Sunday. Okay, I hear that a lot now. And in Louisville, but um, it just blows my mind because, like, worship is not just on Sunday. Worship's not just singing. Worship is every single thing that you do every single day, because you're not doing it for you. Because you're not your own. If you're a Christian, you were bought with a price. You don't own yourself anymore. God does. And so every single thing that you do can be an act of worship for him, whether it be praying, whether it be singing, whether it be working. And so that's why he tells you to do everything as if you're doing it for the Lord, because you're doing it for the Lord, because you don't own you.
the third part, and this is so important, because if you get two out of three of these, you miss the whole point. If we don't do all three of these things, if we don't repent, if we don't worship, and then we do this third step, like we don't do this third step, it doesn't matter. Because it shows that we don't really believe it if we, don't, if we miss one of these steps. And the third step is witnessing. We have to get to a point where we witness and we make disciples. We have to start taking every opportunity that we possibly can to witness. Because we're not promised tomorrow, guys. You're just not. I know that sounds like super morbid, and you're like, oh, I'll make it to the new year. It's like, you don't know that. Last time I checked, death rate was 10 out of 10, and death doesn't care what age you are. It comes for everybody. Everyone you know, and don't go to a dark place with me, okay? Like, this, this is not a depressing thing. Everyone you know is one day going to die, okay? If, if God doesn't come back before then, everybody you know is one day going to die, including you. And if you believe this, if you're actually a Christian, you believe that they're going to spend eternity one of two places. First option is heaven, with God, as God with his people, okay? In full glory. That's option number one. The other one is hell, with eternal separation from God. And there is no third option, okay? And if you're a Christian this morning, it's not someone else's job to tell the people that you know about Christ. It's yours. It's your job. It's time that we start owning what we believe. It's time we actually tell somebody about Jesus. And what, like I said, what better time of the year? Start off fresh, okay? Like if you've never witnessed to somebody before, make 2019 the year that you witness to somebody. And make it a habit. I want to leave you all with, with two passages, and I'll make this pretty brief, and then we're going we're gonna to have a time of prayer before we close. Um, but turn with me to Revelation 21 real quick. Verse 1, and it said, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heavens from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. 
And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water without, of life without payment. To the one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. That's the hope that we have, guys, as Christians, that one day we'll be with God forever. That's heaven, where he wipes away every tear, where he takes away the pain, where he literally makes all things new. That's the hope that we have this morning. And the last passage that I want to leave you all with this morning is 1 Corinthians um, chapter 15. Go to the end of the chapter, verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Because of the gift that he offered to us, we have a hope that death is defeated, guys. That God is still in control. He's still sovereign over everything. And because of this, not even death is scary to us anymore. And this is why we can be bold. This is why we can faithfully follow God today, because this life is not all there is. And when we realize that, death loses its sting. We start living like we actually believe this book, that God is able to work through us and that we're able to love and forgive and confess and repent and witness boldly around us. Because we have a hope that endures. We have an amazing opportunity at the beginning of this new year to take the next step. And if you don't know Christ, what better time? If this has been a tough year, if you've been distant from him or there's something coming between you, what better time to come home? If you've been sinning, what better time to repent and call out to a father that loves you? If you've been passive in your walk and your witness, 
what better time to cry out for help for him? He is waiting for you. He's not distant somewhere. He's right here. We're going to pray here in a minute. So everybody, everybody bow your heads real quick. If you don't know Jesus and you want to get acquainted with him, you want to have a relationship, today's the day. Now's the time, God. Today's the day of salvation. And if you want me to lead you in a prayer to where you can get to know him today and begin a relationship with him and you can repent and walk daily from this day forward having a hope that endures, if that's something that you want today, you just raise your hand and I'll lead you in that prayer right now. Okay, Christian, the rest of us in the room here. If you've been walking with God, but you feel distant from him, and you need prayer, you can raise your hand right now. If there's some sin in your life that's keeping you from him, and you want to repent, raise your hand right now, and we'll pray here in just a second. If you just need prayer because it's been a rough week or a rough day or a rough month or a rough year, raise your hand right now. We're going to pray together right now. We're going to worship him through prayer because we get to come to a father who loves us. That same God that sits on the throne right now that's being worshipped by thousands and thousands of angels that are singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We get to come to him right now in prayer. And not as some celestial being that's far off from us, but as a father that loves us and paid with the blood of his son for our adoption. So we're going to pray to him right now. And you just lift up whatever you need to lift up right now. Dear Lord, I thank you. Father, I thank you for being who you are. For caring enough about us that you had a plan even in the garden when we sinned against you. I thank you for your son that you sent to earth to live a perfect life and to bleed and die for me. thank you that you keep on forgiving us when we mess up. Uh, You keep on taking us back in even when we walk away from you. Lord, I pray for this church right now. I pray if any of us are walking away that we would turn and we would come back to you. I pray that if there's sin in our lives, please forgive us. I pray that we would have the proper response to reading a text like this. That we would rejoice because you're good. You're a good father, you're a good God who loves us. And that we would walk daily with you and we would witness to the people around us that we know that need 
this good news. I pray for this coming year, Lord, that you would use our church to reach this community. Help us to be what you want us to be in this community, both as a church and as individuals. I pray for the people in this church that you would make yourself known in their daily lives every single day this year. I pray that you would convict us. I pray that we would know that you're with us no matter what we're going through right now. Lord, we just want to thank you for everything that you've brought us through. It's been a rough year and a half since we planted. It's been a rough year this past year. But we thank you that you're faithful. And that no matter what happens, we know that you're there. We pray that we would always give you the praise and the glory that you deserve. We thank you for letting us come here this morning. Help us to never forget why we're here. In Jesus' name we pray.